welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm joined by Swim Swam writer uh, Tori Hart and our special guest of the day, uh, head coach of the UCLA women's swim team, Jordan Wolfram. Jordan, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. Honored to be here and honored to be considered a special guest of the day. That sounds really important, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, and it is, uh, it is quite an honor. You're, we're, we're really excited to have you today. On today. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so let's dive right in. Um, this was your first season as the head coach at UCLA. Uh, I, the last time I saw you, you were at Ohio state. And so mm-hmm. I have, I, I haven't gotten to talk to you, uh, all season, you know, with, with, with it winding down, I guess the way it did. Um, how'd you feel about it? <laughs> uh, it was, a it was certainly a bummer. Um, the end part of it, the rest of the year was an absolute blast and, um, a really exciting and, um, a big experience for me. Um, you know, it was, it was certainly a bummer to end the way things did. Um, I was in Cleveland at the CSCA championships with a, a team at the time and, um, you know, got the emergency comeback phone call and things kind of went from there. So, you know, it's, but that's, that's all it is. Right. And I, I told our team at that time I pulled them all together and I said listen we're going home and that's a bummer but if if that's our biggest impact then that's what it is that's it's a bummer it's a loss of a swim meet or two and um, we'll adjust and adapt and do our job and sit patiently until we can get back to normal but the rest of the year up until that very moment was absolutely awesome can you talk just a little bit about the you know the adjustment um, as to, to being a head coach yeah I'm really fortunate in that um, Coach Dorncott at Ohio State set me up really, really well to be a head coach. I don't think there is, you know, anything that I didn't get to have my hands in to some extent um, at Ohio State. And so, you know, the biggest piece that was an adjustment in coming to UCLA minus the incredible weather and getting to coach outside every day, which was an easy adjustment. Um, (laughs) The biggest adjustment from a a coaching sense was uh, just the ownership piece and, and the person being the captain of the ship and um, being responsible for the message and the clarity of the mission and uh, you know, communicating that, that, that piece being my job was, was the biggest piece, but I, I felt really fortunate and really prepared in the fact that, you know, I'd, I'd written workouts and I had, I had coached a group and I had done budget and I had led recruiting. And um, so I, I was set up really, really well. I built a, a CSCAA a webinar a couple weeks ago about empowering your assistant coaches. And I can say um, that he is, he is a pro at, and so, I felt really lucky that this was an easy transition. And then on top of that, um, you know, 
coach Cindy Gallagher is one of the people I've, I look up to immensely, right? She always has been as, as a coach, as a, as a college coach and as a, um, a, a female coach, I've looked up to her and I've, I've watched her for a long time. So the prospect of filling her shoes is a little bit overwhelming and a little bit scary at times. Um, but she and Naya left us such an incredible program to take over a, a great group of women, a great incoming freshman class, um, you know, a whole lot of pride in the program and in the university and in what we do. So in those aspects, I felt so stupidly fortunate um, in that some of those things were really easy because I was set up so well by some of the greats, you know, around me and before me. What is it like coming into a program where someone's been under, like where it's been under the same leadership for so long? You mentioned there's like a scary aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, very intimidating and, and UCLA athletics as a whole is, um, an athletic department built on a lot of legends, right? And and so whether it be John Wooden or or Cindy Gallagher, you have to learn to look around and take the good, and then also not be afraid to have the confidence to put your own stamp on things. You know, I had to walk that balance, but I spent a lot of the first uh, half of the year trying to collect information about how things had gone before and um, you know, reminding myself that when I didn't know what to do, that Cindy was a pretty great person to call. And I probably didn't do that enough this year. We got to a point um, in, in January where we were coming up on our dual meet with our, our crosstown rival USC. And that has traditionally been a big fast dual meet. And I had never done a suited fast dual meet two weeks before conference championships. Like that, that was out of my realm of comfort. And all year I said, no, we're not suiting up. We're not suiting up because this is, I know how to do things. And we got to the end there. And I, I finally, I called Cindy and I said, what do I do? And she goes, maybe you should look at these areas about why this could be such a benefit. And, and she told me the story of how did we get to this point? What does this meet mean? Um, why do we do it this way? What are the benefits? What do you gain? And that perspective to see it completely different than I had, it was a great reminder. And, and truthfully, that reminder to, to call Cindy and ask her how she had done it before. It's something I've got to do even more than I, than I did. Um, because she had it figured out. She did a lot of great things in her time here. And, and, um, yeah, that, that to answer your question a little more clearly, you've got to have an open mind and you've got to remind yourself that um, that you can do these things and you can take these chances and also not forget to look around you and, and see how it had been done before and take the good parts and, and move in a different direction when you feel like you've got to do that. But um, certainly a big responsibility, you know, to wear these four letters Absolutely. across my chest after after 30 years of, of Cindy being the head of this program, it's, it's a big deal. I'm honored. That's scary. Uh, could you tell us the story of how that meet has escalated? <laughs> I, you know, what, what are some of the details of what she told you? Cause that's super interesting. Uh, well, it, it, 
it has this this long history of it's it's one of those good dirty rivalries in sport right and i've gotten to be a part of of two now really good dirty rivalries between ohio state and i'll just say that that team up north and um <laughs> As, as we're programmed to say, and uh, UCLA and that team across town. And you have to honor those. And, and you know, I can't do the, the stories full justice, but it's just years and years and years of, um, you know, one coach saying, you know, no, nah, I'm not going to suit up, but I'm actually going to suit up. And then somebody else, and you ask, you could ask this, uh, um, I'm sure everyone would tell the story a, a different way, but it's, years and years of that. And then it, it became this just epically fast meet and you see NCAA qualifiers and um, you use it as a rehearsal meet. And I don't know, you know, I, I look forward to talking to coach Kip about um, his thoughts on it in the future, but now I'm kind of, now I get it. I, I feel like I'm in and the energy at that meet and the traditions that go with that meet. Um, but it's, it's one of those things like you can't back down now it's, it's a good one that's a good meet uh tori do you have do you have one uh yeah i i'm sort of curious like you joined a conference with a number of head coaches who are you know really established in the sport you know i would go as far as to say they're legends in the sport so <laughs> yeah what was that like to come into that and was there any intimidation there and do you have you know you mentioned you have a relationship with cindy but do you have relationships with the other coaches that you um, you know, can build on and, and apply, you know, and throughout your experience in the Pac-12? Yeah, it is. And when I was writing down some of my thoughts before we got on this call, one of the things I wrote down was like, these coaches in this conference, it is, it's uh, um, the coaches, the athletes, the Olympic coaches, the Olympians, um, maybe, you know, two months into the school year, uh, we had our Pac-12 head coaches meeting and just looking around that room, um, between Terry and Greg and, and Dave and Dave and, and Bob, like, come on. That's the history of just the uh, Olympic head coaches in that room. It's incredible. Um, my biggest comfort has uh, come from the fact that before I was at Ohio State, I was Greg's volunteer assistant um, from 13, 14, 2013, 2014. Uh, he and Tracy's second year at Stanford, um, I uh, left actually a Division three head coaching job and and went moved across the country from Minnesota out to Palo Alto to be their volunteer assistant um, and kind of took a big chance there and they took such good care of me and I got to coach um, I got to coach a, a breaststroke group that um, you know twice a week that was Sarah Haas and Katie Olson that both went on to um, you know multiple top three finishes at NCAAs and uh, I got to be there for, you know, Maya Dorado's senior year and Felicia Lee's senior year. And, and they took me everywhere and they let me see everything. And um, I've maintained a really great relationship and a really great friendship with, with both Greg and Tracy since then. Um, and so he's been really, really welcoming and having Stanford out to UCLA this year for a dual meet where you know, Greg was returning back to a co place where he had coached as an assistant coach yeah. um, and helped me get there. And the last time 
you know, I had been at that dual meet was when I was with Stanford coming to UCLA. So that, that has been great. And then the rest of the coaches, they've been unbelievably welcoming. Um, we're lucky in this conference that we do a lot of conference dual meets. We, we carry a pretty heavy schedule. So every single year we're going to swim both Arizona's and then uh, Stanford and Cal. Uh, we got to go to Washington state this year. We got to have Utah, um, at our place. And so, um, those relationships, everyone is so welcoming and I, I'm excited about the fact that we get to continue to have those. They've been, they've been great. They've been fantastic. It was, a, it was a little bit intimidating. I definitely feel like I should keep my mouth shut. I was a new kid on the block at some point, but I'm not very good at keeping my mouth shut in those meetings. So uh, we'll see how that goes for me. <laughs> what, so what kind of topics do you cover in a, in a, in a Pac-12 head coaches meeting? <laughs> Everything. Everything. Um, you know, and with that group too, we have different levels of, of priorities, right? We're, we're coaching in that conference. You're coaching um, a solid chunk of, of the potential Olympic team. And so, you know, we handle our schedule and, um, you know, conversations about recruiting and uh, conversations about what we're doing well and how to better serve our student athletes and um, better serve our sport. Um, you know, kind of ultimately what is our job and how do we do that at a really high level and take good care of these kids. It's a fun it like? I like those. Yeah. Sounds. <laughs> what was it like for you moving from coaching at a co-ed program to a women's only program? That's a good question. And I actually, before we combined in Ohio state, I had never coached with men um, even there. So I spent my first four years of coaching. I was at, um, a school called the college of St. Benedict. It's in Minnesota, um, a division three program. And, uh, it was actually a women's only school. And then we had a brother school, uh, St. John's university. And so we had a men's team, but they were technically part of a completely different school. Um, and they were across, there's a bus between, we had separate campuses. So I swam, on a co-ed team. And then, but my first four years of coaching was separate. And in those first four years, I didn't know how that was going to feel. I was like, I've always been on programs. I've always been with teams um, that had both men and women. I didn't, I had no idea what to think about that. And I got there and I was like, Holy smokes. When you isolate men's and women swimming separately, you can really do right by women swimmers and by women athletes you can really do right by their leadership styles. Um, I mean, just naturally an 18 to 22 year old female swimmer tends to quiet her voice a little bit to an 18 to 22 year old male swimmer. It just happens. They get used to swimming in the back of the lane and, um, and, and not being as loud. And so to be able to see what you could do in leadership and in teaming and in training when you really took care of your women like women really took care of your men like men to me, that was eye opening, And that changed everything I thought about what, how I wanted to coach. Um, and then when I went to Stanford, I was with the women, there was a men's team, but we trained separately. We, you know, raced differently. Um, and then I went to Ohio state with just the women's team, which was same situation. Um, and then we combined for two years and I was like, Oh, this is not, this isn't what I was planning on doing. And I had a great time. Um, mm -hmm. The group that I coached on a daily basis was mostly men. Um, and so I had to learn new skill sets. Uh, and anybody who tells you that coaching 
college women and college men is the exact same. They are full of it. Um, is a lot of new skill sets. I had to communicate differently. I had to, it was uh, an experience. So I always knew that ultimately I wanted to be coaching single gender and that if I was going to head coach, I wanted to be coaching a single gender team, um, be that men or women. Um, but because of that, UCLA was always my dream school. And so when I, I vividly remember showing up to a morning practice last spring um, or early summer and Bill told me that Cindy's retiring and I said well you know I'm going for this right like I'm this is I am going um so I I wanted to I wanted to have that opportunity because I think we can serve our women at such a higher level um that's and that's that's a personal thing but yeah it's different what was your swimming background um, when you were a swimmer yourself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did did that kind of shape that personal uh, goal of of serving women more? I think a little bit. Um, I didn't ever think about doing them separately, but I was a you know I was a team captain for two years, and uh, I remember you know feeling okay as a as a 20 year old woman how you know how much am I supposed to lead how much am I being is this bossy am I allowed to say this am I allowed to tell you what to do if you're faster than me like all those normal leadership roles but I think they're um, exacerbated with with men and women and so I, I carried that piece over um to when then I was coaching single gender to be able to see how they could lead and um, communicate with each other in a, with a little bit more ease uh, and a little bit more freedom there without worrying about kind of the social repercussions of that. Uh, that might be getting a little bit too deep, but that's, that's really how I, how I felt about it. And so I didn't know that I was missing that when I was swimming and I didn't know that it was important to me, but I definitely felt it when I saw it the other way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I do, you know, I, I like, I like that. I like being able to, um, to, you know, a big part of how I coach is empowering our women to have a, a voice. We just went through the process of elite, of electing our leadership council on our team through zoom, um, you know, our, our captains, but we call it leadership council. And we went through a really intense process where they all had to interview in front of the team. And we did these evaluations. And um, I asked everyone, they had to be really vulnerable to first say, I want to be considered for this. And I'm going to interview, I'm going to give you my speech. And then, um, and then you get to evaluate me on these seven points about how good I am at this. That's a really vulnerable position for a 19 year old woman. Um, for any of us, that's, I, I hate, you know, being reviewed like that. Nobody likes it. Um, and so to be able to coach them up through that and, and go through it. And now, you know, our leadership council has been established and tomorrow I meet with each of them individually to go over how their peers evaluated them. That's so that, that being able to do that stuff is cool to me, but that's beyond, you know, the physiological aspect of, being able to train female sprinters like female sprinters and female distance swimmers and um, what we do in the weight room, making it sure that it's tailored well um, to our women and not to what their male counterpart could do. Um, 
at the same time, I loved, I loved coaching at Ohio state. I had a great time. So I think there's, you can do it both ways, but I definitely have a preference. Uh, so I guess we can, we can talk men and women physiologically and, um, maybe emotionally, but you know, let's start, um, at Ohio state when you were coaching mostly men, Mm -hmm. what was the most challenging switch you had to make from, from going from women to men? I, I think for me, it was finding the right way to motivate athletes, what type of work and what type of delivery motivated athletes to get the most out of them on any given day. So that was one piece. Um, and then how to string together workouts throughout a week, you know, um, when you, when you're talking about significantly different levels of muscle mass and and body fat and how that affects your recovery from one workout to the next, you know, there were some things that I could do with, you know, a mid distance group of just women, certain workouts I could string together day over day over day, where they could recover between those that when I did that same with, with the men's group that I put them in a hole. Um, and then end of the season with, with taper, um, I think most people would, um, agree that we tend to, you know, need to taper our, our men for a really long time. And for me, that was terrifying. Like I, I'd never rested somebody for, for four to six weeks and they still needed more rest and still needed more rest. Um, so that end of the season, that last third of the season is where things got really different between what it needed to look like for men and women. Um, and that part was, it took, it, it, that I needed to really pull from the other people on the staff who really had a good idea or who had done that before. Um, cause that taper aspect and the recovery aspect is one of the biggest differences. Um, but that, and just motivation, you know, how to, um, I could get my men to race each other way easier than I could get the women to race each other, but I could get the women to just work hard naturally way easier than I could get the men to just work hard because I said so. Um, so it was, it was a learning experience, but it was such a good, it was such a good lesson in just different types of athletes. Um, so do you have, do you remember a specific day or like example maybe of where you felt like you really motivated a, 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 a single gender group well, or you didn't do it very well and, and you kind of had to bounce back and learn from that? I would say, I mean, my, <laughs> you know, I, w- I would say that my entire first year with the men at Ohio State, I didn't, I didn't know how to communicate and how to get them going very well at all. You know, the second year was a, um, I was glad that I had that because I had a lot of the same athletes. We didn't graduate a whole lot after that first year. Um, and I could, I could find those aspects where, you know, the end of that year or so a year ago, um, you know, NCAAs in 2019, our our men's team had a really big meet and and I'd spent a lot of time with a lot of those kids that um, the year before they, that their performance difference between one year to the next, it was, it was really big. And that's not because of my coaching, that's their development. Um, 
but also we just didn't get a lot of the right things done. Now that, you know, on the, on the flip side of that, um, you know, pac 12s this year at UCLA was, you know, one of the most fun moments of, of feeling like all year we were trying to figure each other out. You know, we were all together as a group for the first time this year. Um, and some meets we had performances up here and, and we were pretty good against uh, USC, but we needed to be a lot better those next weeks. And by the time we got to Pac-12s, we were all on the same page, all going the same direction. And it was one of those meets where just swim over, swim over, swim over, swim is better than you expected and better than the last one. And um, that we were firing on all cylinders there. That felt like one of those moments where as a, as a coach, as, as a leader of the group, I felt like, okay, we know what we're doing. We, we know how, what our motivation is here. Um, that was really fun. Nice. Um, so Tori, you have <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to touch sort of back on your position in sort of the coaching world a little bit more. Um, like as you're probably aware, you're one of three female coaches at a you know Division One top twenty five school. Um, the others being Terry McKeever at Cal and uh, Carol Capitani at, at Texas. Yeah. Big time company in that. Yeah, exactly. Group. What challenges, you know, if any, at any level of your career, has being a woman in coaching, you know, presented you or you know continues to present you? That's a good question. And, you know, I, sometimes on that topic, I feel like I've got big opinions and other times I feel like, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not entitled to, to speak for, you know, women coaches in, in general. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the landscape there, there are not and have not been very many, uh, women in, in charge of men's programs, right? You have men coaching male and female programs all the time, you know, not a whole lot of, um, you know, power five division one combined programs led by women. And, and so just like in any career path, there's, there's something to be said for, it's hard to believe that you can do things until you see, yourself in somebody in that position. Um, so I think there's a, a pretty strong camaraderie between women coaches on the deck, whether it be at NCAAs or at, at conference meets and, and not because any one thing is maybe particularly more challenging. You know, I, I think there are hundreds of, of women coaches who could speak on being a mother and a coach. Our, our schedules are unrelenting. Um, you move, you have to move across the country to, uh, change jobs. So to move up is really hard, you know, moving up, whatever that means. Um, and then also our career path is kind of not fickle, but you know, we're a part of an athletics program and, and D1 athletics and, the NCAA is always changing. And so, you know, I, I can't speak to that, but there's a camaraderie based around the fact that um, us being able to see success in one another, it just reminds you, okay, you can, you can do that. And okay, maybe there's only eight of us here, but um, I see somebody like Cindy being successful, somebody like Terry being success, successful, um, Carol, 
um, you know, a Dorsey, like you see those people thriving and you go, okay, I can do this. I can do this too. It's not crazy of me to think that I could be a head coach, that I could do this at this level. That's the most important aspect and the support. The part that I remind myself is important as well is I've got to do a good job by myself and by my team and by my assistant coaches, because it's not just for me, it's for, you know, somebody else who wants to do this and they might see themselves in what I'm doing. Where, and, you know, I don't necessarily expect you to have the answer on this, but, you know, at what level of coaching do you think it's most important for kind of for women to be like shown and, um, you know, given opportunities that they can be successful there? Is it the Greg Meehan's giving the volunteer assistant coach a job? Is it, you know, at the club level, giving, you know, an entry level club coaching job, making an effort to, to include more women there? Do, do you have a thought on kind of where the pipeline starts? Yeah, I, I mean, for, for me in the way that, you know, I, my career path, that volunteer assistant or grad assistant position is unbelievably important. Um, but it's also really, really hard to do. Um, you know, one of my wonderful volunteer assistant coaches while I was at Ohio state, um, is Allison Reed, who's now the assistant coach at Kentucky. Um, and, and she came out of a division three program and took this big leap where she, you know, it's an unpaid gig. It's really hard. Um, but it, it exposed her to more opportunities and more coaches and ways to grow. And, um, you know, then she, she found herself in a phenomenal power five, you know, powerhouse for, for women in Kentucky. And, so I think in that aspect, in the way that my career has gone and some of the women that I've been along with that, that volunteer assistant position, finding a way to make that possible and finding the right people and helping them do it. It's cause it's hard, you know, you can't take any money from the university. So how do you make that possible to get the right people, male or female in the door through that pipeline and then help them to that next step. When, um, when Greg hired me, hired me as his volunteer assistant. Um, you know, he said somebody at one point gave me a chance and they told me the only criteria is that I pass it on someday. So here you go. The only criteria is you pass it on someday. And I think about that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, just pulling the right people in and telling the right people you're good enough to do this. Here's a chance. Hang on for this one wild year where you're not going to get paid. And then I will help you get to that next place. That to me is the important one. Great. Man. <laughs> uh, that was, that was, uh, that was cool. <laughs> um, let's, let's go back to Cindy for just a minute. Um, yeah. You know, you talked about how, how she uh, gave you the UCLA USC history. Um, have, do you have a few other things that, that she's kind of passed on or that you've gained from, uh, your contact with her since being at UCLA? When I, um, oh, when I, when I got to my office at UCLA, um, she had left me some cool stuff. She left me a really, um, awesome card 
that she had signed. And then she left me some things that had been in her office um, that, you know, I'll, I'll just keep between us. But she, she made it without, you know, really imposing herself. She, she won, she, she took a step back and she really gave me a chance and I'm really appreciative of that. Um, at the same time, she continued at a, has continued at a really high level to support the women on our team. Um, and when, when you have a coach that um, is no longer on the deck and they still support your team at a really, really high level, that's the best possible thing that she could do to support me as a coach to, um, you know, be the ear when they're like, Oh, this is so hard. And I wish you were still here. And, and to have those conversations to have those women over for dinner. She's still in the area. She came by practice a couple of times with her granddaughter and brought bagels and donuts and chocolate. Um, but in doing that in showing her confidence in me, even if she didn't have it yet, um, and supporting our women. I mean, that, that right there is a, it's a huge reminder to me and, a, and a really good lesson. But beyond that, um, she made it really obvious to me in coming to UCLA that there are aspects of, um, UCLA culture and history that are just important when you're wearing this logo when you're wearing these letters, just like anywhere, but um, that our athletic department operates on, on John Wooden values. And that's really important. And to know those and understand those, and I'm still learning, I'm still being a student of, of my Woodenisms. Um, but to take that into how you coach and then to also coach the people first, that's one of the things she did unbelievably well is she coached um, these women as as women she coached as a culture and as a team and yeah I could go on and on but I've 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 taken a lot and I will continue to um, I'll continue to need her expertise a lot that's you know you talk about uh how big of a deal it is to be at UCLA which is I mean I think in in the swimming community you know you don't think of them as like maybe like a top 10 school like a huge powerhouse sure. but like UCLA is like this huge school with so much athletic and academic history what has it been like just to be on that campus kind of surrounded by that honestly it's a bit overwhelming um and I you know my uh my sports supervisor called me out about halfway through the year he was quizzing me on on some of the UCLA greats on this picture on a wall outside of the athletic director's office. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't name enough of them. I failed the test. And he showed up the next day to my office with a big book of the first hundred years of history of UCLA. And honestly, if I had known, Oh, this is what I was doing. A big book. Um, if I had known I'd be home this long when I cleaned out my office in March, I would have grabbed that book. Um, but he took that and he said, and I'm taking you on a campus tour. And, and he took me around and he helped show me some things, but he also reminded me like, this is, this is an honor to be here and it's not about you and it's not about any one of us. It's about this whole thing as a whole. And so I've, I've become more of a student and I'm doing my, my learning and, and my history because it is, it's a really rich athletics history. Um, 
to great school academically, but athletically, whether or not, you know, we made the top 25 rankings this year or whether or not, you know, we qualified um, relays or scored at NCAA this year, it doesn't matter because the history of UCLA says you, sh- you are expected to be in the conversation of championships in every sport, every single year and figure it out. And, and that's, you know, what other co- coaches told me that, you know, we don't have to be the biggest or the shiniest or the best the year before, but we're UCLA. So you're expected to go there and fight for a championship. And my boss doesn't care about my excuses of, well, we weren't that good the year before, or it's hard for us to get recruits or any, no, are you kidding me? Have you seen our pool? There should be no reason why it's hard for us to get recruits. And so that the, the job is on us to, to be great because that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. We've got about two and a half minutes left. Tori, do you have any burning desire question that might have a shorter end answer? <laughs> I can try to talk less. <laughs> What's the best thing you've done since moving to LA? Honest thing. Okay. Well, right after I moved to LA, I got married, not in LA, but that was a big um, summer. So I I should probably mention that um, we did a a hike up near the Hollywood sign during the first, first quarter, fall quarter. I don't remember exactly when we did it, but we did a team hike up near there. And then, um, we also did a beach workout. We only did one. We've got to do more. But we did a beach dry land that was just an epic, good, good dry land with, you know, carrying ropes as a team. And um, those have been great. But L.A. as a whole, I'm, I'm regretting how much time I didn't spend on the beach over the last <laughs> nine months now that I can't go to the beach. Um, but just putting my toes in the water and enjoying the sunshine every day and eating good food. There's good food everywhere. Oh yeah. Holy smokes. There's so much good food. Um, but just being able to walk out, you know, outside my house and, and look at the towards the beach. I'm about a mile from the beach. So I can't really see the beach, but, um, and see the sunset, like, come on, that's pretty great. Or seeing the sunrise at our pool at speaker on campus. That's pretty great. When you're doing, you're doing practice in pancakes again. Come on over. We got some some pretty beautiful sunrises and we'll put on a show. Yeah. And I'm sure we've got some really great pancakes as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's time, but I'm I next time beach workout, I'm there with you. Yeah, pancakes. okay. Okay. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Uh, Jordan, Tori, thank you guys so much. This was this was awesome. I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you, Coleman. Thank you, Tori. I appreciate you guys. Stay safe. <laughs> Hey, do you love swim swim as much as I do? Do you want hours of endless practice footage, race video, and a guide to the best pancakeries in the country? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel below and follow us on social media at Swim Swam News on Twitter and Instagram. If we get a million followers, I might just eat a million pancakes. Only one way to find out. <laughs>